Welcome to the second episode of Millennial Pagan Podcast, the podcast that is quickly becoming a voice for the growing number of millennial pagans and our brand of witchcraft, magic, practice, and worship. Our goal is to explore the tough and controversial topics that affect pagans, witches, polytheists, and occultists in today's world. We're your hosts, Autumn Worlf and... Jarrah Stone. And how are you doing? A little bit better. I was pretty bad for a couple of days there if you're not from phoenix we've had a couple of days of really bad air quality and it's exactly hitting my allergy points so yeah i know uh yesterday we were uh we actually celebrated beltane yes with our coven with our coven Mm -hmm. we were uh outside so that didn't really help uh too much no i was hacking up along the whole time (laughs) but at least you you do sound better than you did than you were yesterday thank you i'm glad yeah um, so if you guys uh, have listened to the first show, which we all, we both hope that you did, uh, you probably noticed that we are sounding a little bit different. Are we? Yeah. Uh, so we want to say a big thank you uh, to our good friend, April. Yes. Thank you, April, so much. Mm-hmm. Our new toys are gorgeous. Obviously, yes. they sound great. Yeah. We, we got, a, got a second mic in here, got a nice soundboard and... Um, so yeah, so we're, we're definitely coming up in, uh, in our po- little podcast world. Hopefully. Well, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I've just been a little bit stressed out from work the past week cause I got a new training class, mm-hmm. but, uh, I was able to actually use this weekend to, to relax Very good. and actually feel a little bit, a little bit better. Not looking forward to going back tomorrow, but Hey, gotta yeah. do what I gotta do. Well, tomorrow's my Thursday, so mm-hmm. I know how you feel anyway. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the neo-pagan Sabbath of Beltane, which you just heard us talking that we already had one of our two Beltane rituals. And we're also going to be talking about Earth Day, which just came by. But first, I want to revisit episode one. Well, we talked a lot about our coming of witch stories, and mm-hmm. we touched on a topic that I think we really need to go back and recover. Okay. And what I want to do is do a really deep dive into what deities we both work with, worship, and or developing relationships with. So okay. you want to go first? Um. Yeah, I mean, I... It kind of took me a little bit of a while to to get my footing into which uh, which part of the pantheon I wanted to take on. Which pantheon is that? Uh, I'm actually going more towards the uh, more Norse Norse okay. panth- pantheon. Um, I've definitely been working really close with uh, with Odin, uh, with Thor, a little bit with Loki because I mm. I do have that mischievous side. He does. <laughs> he very much does. Yeah. Um, but actually one that kind of came out of the woodworks that I've visited before, but I never really thought to uh, to start a little bit more of a relationship, Skavi. Really? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Tell our listeners who Skavi is. Skavi is uh, essentially an ice queen. Okay. Um from what I've been kind of gathering a little bit more, she's just, uh, it's for me, it's kind of hard to get a grasp on her. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm still in the process of learning, but I kind of think she's really going to help me become a little bit more in tune with myself. Okay. And that's kind of what, what I kind of want to go with. And especially because she has a bit of a relationship with Loki, mm-hmm. um, which uh, for those of you that don't know about, uh, about the rope around the testicles story. I don't. Okay, so uh, Scotty, uh, pretty much there was a a test to try to get her to laugh. And Loki decided, well, he's going to turn into a billy goat, tie a rope around his beard and the other around his, uh, around his boys. Mm-hmm. And every time he would move his head up to try to eat something, it would squeeze. And apparently it made her laugh and made her happy. Oh. And so... Um, so the trickster does have a gentle side. He does. He does. Um, but, and one that I've, uh, actually kind of wanted to start studying and, uh, I'm going to be getting into it here shortly is actually Hamdahl. Okay. So he's, I, I, I kind of have this weird, um, this weird feeling that he's kind of calling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause Hamdahl is the key, the gatekeeper. Right. The, the Bifrost Keeper. And mm-hmm. um, he sees all. He knows all. He's, you know, he, he can he can see anybody in any realm and even bring them to him mm-hmm. in vision form. 
and I've been getting a, a kind of a strong calling, especially, and this is going to sound weird, but ever since I actually watched um, the, the latest Thor movie, Ragnarok. That actually makes sense, because I was about to say that the Ragnarok did do mm-hmm. a really great job of showing different sides of him. The first movie, yeah. you kind of get that whole, I can see all, and I'm protecting the bridge, but you don't get this whole, he's, he's, he's a, really a multi-directional yeah. character. And kind of, kind of seeing the the protector come out in him, and he he's trying to literally save Asgard mm-hmm. from one of his own, from Loki, mm-hmm. and 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 in turn, of course, uh, Hela. Mm-hmm. And I, I've I've in the past, I've always wanted to to learn more about Hamdel and actually start mm-hmm. researching. And I think this is kind of the turning point where it's like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and see what he's got, see why. I'm getting that calling. Okay. And what, what brought you to the Norse pantheon? Um, honestly, I've, I've always felt a little bit more in tune with the Viking element mm-hmm. of, of myself. Just not necessarily the whole pillaging and pilfering, but more the strength right. of the Viking and what, it, what a Viking is supposed to be. And, I mean, I got the long hair. I got the beard. So right. it kind of stuck. Okay. But um, really, I it, it came at a point where I really needed the, the energy of power, strength, and the ability to overcome any obstacle. Right, right. And I kind of feel that I, I feel more in tune when I think about that when I think about Vikings. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and see what the Norse pantheon has for me. And not that it matters for your own personal practice, but do you have any genetic ties to the Norse? Not that I know of. Okay. Um, I, I think, I do think it's there. Uh, most of my family actually, uh, my dad's side of the family comes from uh, all over Europe. Right. And. Like most of us. <laughs> like like most of us. Um, but I, I haven't been able to trace anything because a lot of our records, our family records have been lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I kind of want to see about developing, see if I can find out for sure if there is anything. And if there is, what are my ties? Right. But other than the Norse mythologies um, or the Norse pantheons, I'm kind of gearing a little bit more towards as well, um, more Hispanic Indian Mm-hmm. teachings rather right. than rather than the pantheon itself right or any particular god yeah mm-hmm. yeah because I, I i do feel that there's i mean like i said in the last episode i got a visit from somebody from my aztec ancestry mm-hmm. so it's like okay i want to learn more about it before i decide okay who should i choose to bring in right of you course know. so you have already a working relationship with Odin, Thor, and Loki. Want to talk more about those? Um, yeah. Uh, Odin, definitely, he's kind of a, um, at least for me, a father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I've noticed a lot of the uh, learn from the wrong, do the right. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the first artifacts one of my first tools that I ever got to actually help me tune myself I call it an Odin's eye because it's a little um it, it's a black and white ball mm-hmm. that actually looks like it has an eye in it and I've always called it an Odin's eye and so I kind of think that's one of those things that's helping me remind myself that he's watching mm-hmm. and along with that I've seen I, I, I've seen the ravens mm-hmm. Uh, they've been they've been flying around lately uh, a lot lately, um, so I kind of I kind of feel like I I, I have to be careful right. with what I'm doing because I can, I can just feel that fatherly presence from him, mm-hmm. and pretty much he's wanting me to to learn to grow to do the right thing, mm-hmm. um, but also be wise in my decisions as well. Um, Thor, I literally use him for anything protection, right? Um, protection, strength, um, a little bit of, uh, nurturing and caring because mm-hmm. he is, he is that type of God. He, he doesn't bring it forward too much, but there is that, uh, that quality in him. Mm-hmm. And then Loki, 
um, kind of to, of course, feed the mischievous side. But it's, at least in my eyes, without shadow, there can't be light. Right. So he is looked down. He is looked as not a great god to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got some interesting teachings. Right. Yeah. And I've I've only really had a had a sit down visit with him once, mm-hmm. but I can I can tell there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, pent up mischievism or aggression or mm-hmm. whatever it is anytime I work with Thor. Right. I can tell that there's an animosity. Okay. But I kind of, it, it really helps me attune myself to it. So are you interested in looking for any heathen groups? I know there's a lot of individual practitioners mm-hmm. in the valley, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm really looking for a heathen group. I mean, it would be great to to at least explore mm-hmm. and see see what there is out there, but it's not something I'm I'm actively looking for. Right. If it finds me, it finds me. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's the, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do. And then, of course, with my with my older teachings before I became before I came into into paganism, mm-hmm. um, I still follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. Right. And I still I still feel that he is part of my pantheon. Mm-hmm. He's of course, not the God, but a God I can I can worship, I can learn from. And even when I was going to church, I never really thought of the teachings mm-hmm. of the pastor teaching what they thought. Right. I did my own research and I went along with, okay, what did Jesus do when he was on earth? Mm-hmm. What are his teachings? So I kind of still hold hold those very close. Um, but they're not at the forefront of my religious path right now. Right. Yeah. But they're still there. But they're still there. Yeah. They were very influential for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. My, my, my trainings, I guess for now. Your deities. My deities. Section. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, and I'm always open to anything else that calls, you know, I'm, I'm not one to to just be in one section of the pantheon. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're going to be doing some work with uh, with Ishtar oh, okay. coming up soon. Yeah, and you know that's completely going off the beaten path for me. <laughs> and I'm kind of interested in that. And I've I've always been interested in uh, in the Indian deities in. Um, of course, Native American deities, all these, mm-hmm. all these different ones, even even the Grecians, mm-hmm. all the way back there. Um, so, I mean, I I, I do want to study them. I do want to see what what it has for me and see how it can work into my daily practice. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, what about uh, what about you? I know you got so, a, you got the interesting ones here. I guess I don't know. Um, way back when. When I was a itty bitty witchling, my first spell, which I did way too young and way too unknowledgeable, and in my opinion, I called upon two deities. One that I mispronounced their name and probably didn't like it, and I don't really have a relationship with moving forward. And the other was Aphrodite. Yes, thirteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. Little girl calling Aphrodite. No, it was not a love spell. I was not that (laughs) stupid, thank the gods. Um, But that spell worked, and it really solidified that magic works for me. Obviously, my mindset from 13 up to now is completely different in how magic actually does work. But because she was the first goddess I called to help me with magical workings, Aphrodite is still kind of there. I have a statue currently of um, that is Michelangelo's Birth of Venus, mm-hmm. and it is a little white resin statue that used to live in my bathroom when I didn't share one. <laughs> it has a couple of little things on it that are gifts, offerings. It's got a couple of shells. Right now there's some... Um, coral there. Uh, usually there's a giant piece of rose quartz there, but she's just there to remind me to love myself and to enjoy and indulge in my own natural beauty. She's not really there for me as a 
finding love kind of deity or affecting my love life. She's there for me to mm -hmm. remind me to love myself that I am beautiful because I am part of her and she is part of me. Um, but other than that, I really don't work with her um, in magic anymore. And I don't really use her energies any further than that. When I went and started with the coven that I was in in Georgia, they had a very interesting structure. They said that everybody had three goddesses that were their patron goddesses, and it was Maiden Mother Crone that they set into. And everybody had three patron gods, which sage, um, either hunter, warrior, uh, or father in that mm -hmm. one slot, or and youth. And to me, even then, it kind of just didn't really jab that I was going to have these six main deities, and they were going to fit perfectly into these slots. So it was kind of a little interesting for me to figure that out and then also one of the uh first assignments they have is pick a goddess and pick a god that you don't know about and write a research paper do we need to dab that out no. okay we have some incense going and they're actually really strong I know. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the smell i'm just i'm, I'm kind of looking at the smoke and i'm seeing like okay. stuff happening i'm just so. seeing you blink and i'm like do we need to dab that out no now? no like i like I've been studying a little bit of scrying. Mm -hmm. Oh, so it's oh yeah, because they're yeah. gonna do scrying class. For so them. yeah, okay. it's kind of like I'm seeing like re really awesome shapes and stuff in the smoke, and I'm trying not to pay attention to it. But then my brain's like, no, this is like something you need to see really quick. <laughs> Magic in the studio, guys. Yeah. Anyway, so for these two projects, I pulled. Um, I did Hecate because one of my coven mates was a big devotee of Hecate and I've never heard of her and like everything I was seeing on Wild Hunt and on um, about paganism was talking about Hecate so I was like okay who is this and then also at the same time I was like all right I'm reading a lot about Wooden who is that compared to Odin what's going on here so those were my two deities and I picked up Hecate and I was reading her story about being a bridge between the living in the realm of the dead how she helped walk um, Demeter mm -hmm. into the land of the dead to find Persephone and how she was just that guiding bridge and it kind of, it made sense to me. I really liked the imagery of her. And then I started feeling like she was kind of guiding me through this work that I was doing with this coven, that she was there, that she'd already been there because mm -hmm. there was already somebody else calling to her. And so it was like she was helping me through this. I didn't think she was the one to call me to action. I don't think she's the one I made the pact with. But I think she's there as kind of a... A, a grandmotherly guide. Mm -hmm. However, when I picture her, I don't see her as the old crone. In ancient Roman times, she was actually a maiden. Yeah. So I don't really see her as that. And then Wooden, I figured out, was just the English or Anglo way of saying Odin. Yeah. And Odin, I do have a relationship with him as well, but it's never a warrior or a king type relationship. He's always a wanderer and an educator mm -hmm. or a um, searcher of knowledge. And that's who comes to me when I need it. He's the one who keeps pushing me to learn, keeps pushing me to read. Um, he's the one that wants me to go out on adventures. And when I'm out doing adventures, he's usually there. I just went up to... Um, Woods Canyon Lake, and every time I turned around, there were two ravens, mm -hmm. just two ravens together, no more, no less. And, it, and so I was like, okay. And when we're driving out of the forest, I turn around, there's two ravens sitting there right on the end sign. And I'm like, okay, bye, Hugin and Mugen. <laughs> All right, I see how it is. So Hecate and Odin since then have been with me. And because of Odin, I do have a sort of relationship with Thor. Um, it's not 
really serious. Um, I don't really call upon him, but when I hear the thunder, I think Thor. Yeah. When I see lightning, I think Thor strikes. Um, there was one meditation when I mm, called upon all of the gods that I work with, and Thor came in, and he had red hair, and he's like, you know, I like that Hemsworth guy. He makes me look hot, but I'm glad you don't always vision me like that. <laughs> and it made me very, it made me giggle. Yeah. So it was like, oh, okay, I'm glad you appreciate this imagery. Um, something I wanted to go back with with um, Odin about how I view him. I feel like he became king and he became warrior out of necessity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, for anybody who watches Vikings, how Ragnar never really wanted these responsibilities. He wanted to be a farmer. He wanted to provide for his family. And then these kind of responsibilities just happened to be how he was going to do that. I feel like Odin kind of has a very similar way of doing it. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. Yeah. And that's just how it works for me. Um, Other gods that I've worked with, I've worked with Pan. Um, That was an interesting ritual (laughs) Um, as she fans herself and blushes yes uh, and then we'll leave it at that um bridget has come to me before uh she's a very good bridge between christianity and paganism um and she's just i don't know there's something about her in my blood like i feel like she's somehow in like my Irish culture calls to her and she's the one that cracks the whip. She's like, Mm. no, this is what you do. And no, this is how you do this. And, um, it's funny because I have a lot of people who are like, you can't call Hecate and Odin. And I'm like, oh, they get along perfectly fine. Because to me, for some reason, Hecate fits with Freya. Like she's not Freya, but she fits in the same kind of line. So they get along very fine. But Bridget cannot, she does not get along with Pan. And she's okay with Odin. She's like, he's kind of a creepy old man. But she did, she gets irritated with Pan. Because Pan has these antics and these ways of dealing mm-hmm. with things that she's just like, yeah, no, I, I, I don't make me be near him. I don't want to do anything with him. I mean, like, I'll put up with him, but I might stab him. Who knows? Uh, yeah. And I've had... um. Ever since I was younger, there's been a call with Morgan, but a lot less lately. I feel like I'm less of a warrior for myself right now and more of an education standpoint. Um, When I first moved out here, I did have a pretty uh, strong reaction in my depression. And I felt like I chose my then fiance over my, the mother figure I had that raised me growing up, my grandmother. And I felt very much in tune with Persephone and not in the sense that she got kidnapped and raped Persephone, the one that had to choose between her husband and her mother kind of feeling. So I started calling upon her and like, help me get through this, help me see where what I'm doing is right and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. And so I had a very strong relationship with her during that period of time. And now I don't necessarily need that relationship. I appreciate her for what she did. And she um, realizes that I don't need her. And she probably is working with somebody else who definitely needs her. But I definitely see her duality of the underworld and the bright world of actual earth and helping me get through the darkness of the underworld and coming into spring. So that's pretty much it. I mean, I got a plethora of different (laughs) pantheons and different people that pop in and out of my headspace. Yeah. And And I kind of of feel the same way. It's just a a lot of the times there's, and I've noticed it being, being a little bit more of a, I mean, for for lack of a better, better term, a baby witch. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of gods and goddesses that pop in and out when they're needed. Yes. And And you develop a relationship with them during that time period. Yeah. And I mean, what, what, what advice would you give for somebody who's trying to find that deity that they're, that they're looking for, that they need? Let them find you. 
um, just research, read, look through everything. I actually suggest two really great books by DJ Conway. She has uh, one book that is Maiden Mother Crone. It's a bunch of different stories that goes through chapters of Maiden Mother Crone with different maidens, different mothers, different crones, different pantheons, different, you got Native American, Greek, Roman. She throws a lot in there and it's a lot of different stories. Read through them, figure out who calls to you and do more research on that. Mm -hmm. And then she also has the book, Lord of Light and Shadow, which really helps with the gods. Um, again, that's DJ Conway. Mm -hmm. And those are really great resources. There's a couple of other um, books. Uh, the Goddess and Heroism would be a great book to read on. And just research. Uh, a lot of us, and uh, it's very interesting that we're supposed to come from a British standpoint being a British um, colony in America, but we're taught Roman and Greek pantheons in school. And that's what our education's based on. So yeah. branch out of that if it's not calling to you. Don't be afraid to branch out. And remember when you're researching, especially with the Norse Pantheon, these stories were written down by monks. Mm -hmm. So don't take them at face value. You have to think about them from the culture. Um, with same with African deities. Um, well, even even same with Christianity and the and the Bible itself. Yes, of course. You know, you're getting it from one standpoint. Yeah. That's it. What I would say to be careful about is cultural appropriation. If you have ever listened to Down at the Crossroads with Tara and Chris, Tara talks a lot about her personal journey through voodooism and how she stopped calling herself a particular thing because she felt like she was appropriating a peoples that have been abused and she didn't want to do that anymore and I can greatly appreciate that and I would just be careful and respectful educate yourself to the extent that you can if you can get initiated get initiated um, there's certain groups however if you just aren't specifically these kind of groups that have been abused and have been pushed down won't mm -hmm. invite people of their cultural background I say that tenderly if you see on the internet with specifically Norse that kind forget yeah. it yeah. sorry uh, <laughs> there's a lot of that going on as, even in the valley Odin wants everyone. He does not give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and we can talk about that at length later with a different episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. But that's just, that's my suggestion. Research, read, don't take on titles that you aren't, that you aren't. <laughs> uh, one piece of advice that I would give, uh, especially just just as myself, as as I'm still learning, just be open. Be open to whatever god or goddess comes to you. Even though it may seem strange, that, and divine that, messages. Yeah, because I mean, you could you could be following one pantheon and somebody from a completely different pantheon's coming over to you and saying, "Hey, uh, we need to talk for a second. Or don't be surprised that who you think you're talking with isn't who you think you're talking with. Yeah. Like for the longest time, I was thinking Bridget was the goddess I made that pact with, just because of how serious she is about my education me sticking with it but now i'm starting to think maybe she wasn't maybe it was somebody else maybe it was just the goddess who mm -hmm. knows who knows anyway you actually we actually came upon something that i wanted to talk about um mm -hmm. before we move on spirit animals do you have any spirit animals or spirit guides <laughs> okay so this this is actually kind of an interesting story um, Watch me sit back and get comfy. I know. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a storyteller, but I'm going to try to keep this as, as brief as possible. Um, growing up, uh, I always felt that my spirit animal was uh, some sort of bird mm -hmm. because I always wanted that freedom. I could always feel, uh, feel like I was flying. And I kind of felt very, very strongly that there is some sort of bird was there with mm -hmm. me. Growing up, I never, I, I, I kind of lost that feeling. Mm -hmm. For lack of a better term, my wings got clipped. Okay. And I kind of felt like I needed to adapt. And then I felt like there was something else growing, a different connection. Fast forward to about 13, 14 years of age. Uh, I had an encounter 
I don't know if it's physical or spiritual at this point mm-hmm. with a bear. Oh. With a, at least from my knowledge, a big old grizzly. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't malicious. wasn't anything bad. It was literally just saw me, gave a little bit of a low growl, turned and walked away. Hmm. And I'm standing there soiling myself <laughs> not literally but i yeah, almost did freaking out it was um but ever since then i started seeing bears pop up and everything and i mean it makes sense because at that time i started becoming the protector mm-hmm. the nurturer the one that will literally walk behind my friends to make sure that they're safe mm-hmm Um, fast forward to when I turned about 18 and I was with, uh, this one girl and I met her grandmother, her grandmother came up and a native American woman, Mm -hmm. I don't remember the tribe, but she came up, she shook my hand, looked me square in the eye and she said, ah, grizzly bear. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Grizzly bear. That is my name for you. That is what I I feel. And I'm like, Okay. And just come, you know, I, I kind of asked uh, asked my girlfriend at the time about it. She's like, well, grandma sees things. And let's just say if she says an animal to you when she first meets you, that's your spirit guide. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of, I've kind of taken on that. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. And so much so that uh, when I was going to church camp, mm-hmm. my name was Grizzly Bear or Grizz mm-hmm. for short. When I started working at Rawhide, my name was Grizz. So I kind of feel like I was a little surprised that that, that wasn't going to be your spirit name. Yeah, it was Grizzlier. I, I or I, Uva. I, I was thinking that too, mm-hmm. but I don't think I, I think they're just there for the protector, right? And I think a lot of the things too is uh, Yara, which is the 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 rune. Mm-hmm. Um, it stands for harvest. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times with bears, yeah, they hibernate and all that, but. I kind of feel like you need that strength to help people harvest. You know what's really interesting? Yeah. So your name is a rune that means harvest, and my name is the season of the harvest. Hmm. That's interesting. That is very interesting. Didn't bring that up before, but. Ah, well, it's <laughs> it's an interesting thing to think. Yeah. But um, so what I was taught was that you can have up to seven spirit animals at once. Mm. So keep that in mind. The first time I ever did something about spirit animals, I was doing this dream that was supposed to help you find your spirit animals in the same spell book that I called Aphrodite in. (laughs) And um, I had a dream and it was a German shepherd kept trying to run up to me, but the snake came in between us and was like pushing me back, pushing me back. And its hood wasn't open. But it and it wasn't like bearing its fangs at me, but it kept pushing me back. It was a green rattle snake but it had the venomous hoods i don't know what it was if it was just a spirit snake um but i always had a good relationship with snakes i was never afraid of snakes as a kid growing up i always liked holding snakes at camp and and i was one of those dirty hippie kids that ran around (laughs) barefoot at camp and all that goodness and so that was one of my first interactions with spirit animals um fast forward using what you were saying to the coven we did a um, actual shadow working where we are supposed to meet our spirit animals and we went through all these different places where the animals can come and when she called upon the desert i first had a scorpion run past me and like it didn't really think because all the other animals had stuck with me and walked with me continuing and then all of a sudden this camel comes up to me and it doesn't speak but I can hear clearly in my head follow me Hmm. and I was like okay and that was two weeks before I moved out to Arizona it was literally probably a day or two before my then fiance came up to me and said Arizona Wow. And then I said no. And then I said no in the U-Haul. And then I said no when we got here. And then, yeah, (laughs) I'm still here. Anyway, and then I did the same working again after we got here. And he's like, you're good. I was like, 
Oh, and then I've never seen the camel again, which is funny because I come to a place that has Camelback Mountain and mm-hmm. had camels in the desert. So it was just very interesting that that was the animal that walked me here. It's kind of funny you say Camelback Mountain because mm-hmm. I feel that that is a very, very <clears throat> spiritual place yes. itself. Yes. And Papago. Yeah. Yeah, and Papago. But um, so some of the animals that have stuck with me have been um, deer, really anything with antlers. Um, for something, some reason, like the animal that is my spirit guide that has antlers can move from a white-tailed buck to a moose to an elk to a mule deer. It just, it doesn't matter if it has antlers. That's what it is. It's the antlers. And I don't know why, but I have like, when I first did that, of course, the meadow to me was a Georgia meadow. So that meant that was a white-tailed deer. And I've met, um, when I went to Wyoming, we saw, of course, elk everywhere because we went to Yellowstone with the elk preserve and we saw a moose and for some reason the moose really stuck with me you know I have my moose stuffed Mm -hmm. animals and then um when we went to the Grand Canyon for the first time I we saw so many mule deer it was just astonishing like just they were everywhere it was the season that they were running through the north um the the south rim right and so, of course, um, canines are also another thing. Wolves really um, are a big connection for me. And dogs, I've met like one dog in my whole entire life, and it was not well treated. That didn't like me. Every other dog, they can look at me and go, oh, pets, and run straight yeah. up to me. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, in fact, I, I take my current dog's belief in people to pretty serious heart i broken up with gentlemen (laughs) she did not like the smell of and so on so canines um bats are another one i have a bat tattoo but that's actually for batman because i'm a big ass nerd um and i've had a bear at one point come with me and it a raven or a crow it kind of changes mm-hmm. is usually a raven and another animal that i saw a lot of at yellow um not yellowstone at uh, the tetons in jackson hole and so those kind of stick with me uh when i was very young it was really big cats lions and then it turned into white tigers specifically and i don't know if they're still hanging around or if they're done with me like i needed a big cat in my life and now i'm i'm good mm-hmm. but yeah for the most part those um for sea creatures that I, i'm a water bearer but i'm an air <laughs> sign so there's not a whole lot of sea creatures in my spirit guides anglerfish no, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that's I, that's kind of interesting. Like that actually makes me want to uh, to to look up a little bit more into the the whole animal spirit thing. Well, we should probably do a guided meditation. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, do that. Do the same thing I did. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it brought me here. So yeah, <laughs> it's <was> pretty shocking. <laughs> So anyway, I think we're going to take a short break. You listeners out in listener land probably won't even notice we're gone, but we probably need a break and a coughing fit or two. Yeah. So. So we'll be right back. Right back. All right. We are back with Millennial Pagan Podcast. Uh, So one week ago, Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, the uh, April 22nd Mm -hmm. and we celebrated Earth Day. And I want to know what, uh, did you do anything special for Earth Day? Not really. I know some of our friends did go to Saltwater, uh, Salt River, and did mm. a cleanup. Um, something I did do in a very small capacity, I purchased this really cool bracelet from Four Ocean. And what it is, is it's made up of totally recycled material from their beach cleanups. And the beads are from plastic bottles and the twine is also from things that they picked up and every time you purchase one of these bracelets you are picking up or you are helping them with their costs 
for a pound off of a beach. Oh, wow. Um, they do work in America. They work on the Mex- Gulf of Mexico beaches. They work in Australia. And to me, that's really important since I'm so big about plastic waste. One of my New Year's resolutions this year was to say no to one-time use plastics. Mm-hmm. Um, today, I did a crummy job of that when I picked up us Taco Bell. And um, But one of the things I've learned is that if a server hands you or puts on the table a straw, it goes in the landfill anyway. Yeah. And to me, it's uh, if it's going to go, I might as well use it. It's kind of a, it is a convenience thing, but I do carry around reusable straws. Yeah. And it's just, if it's going to go in the trash, if it's going to cause harm, I might as well use it. I might as well take on the karmic use of it anyway, because I've already did, mm-hmm. by forgetting to say no straws. So that's my thing in a nutshell, what what my big Earth Day movement was. Um, yeah, I, I didn't do too much for Earth Day, unfortunately. I, uh, I was actually taking the day to relax. Um, I, uh, the day before, I, I did a lot. So mm-hmm. I just, uh, I wanted to take the day to relax and actually just rest for a little while. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I actually completely forgot about the, uh, the salt river cleanup clean that we were, yeah. that uh, we were going to do. I was actually going to go to that. And then when I looked at my phone and realized, oh wait, that was today. Yeah. Well, I didn't yeah. get the invite. So at least you got the invite. I, yeah. I, well, I, I just saw it on the, uh, on the Facebook page and I was like, oh, what's this? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I must not registered it. Yeah, that's okay. But some reading I did mm-hmm. on the wild hunt, there was this article written in 2016, about the same time I wrote my blog post about a pagan Earth Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is called Earth Day 2016, When Do Words Meet Actions? And it was by Heather Green. And it really um, gave me a lot of information, actually, about uh, pagans in environmental work and it was really nice to read about it um she talked to one in particular person john hillstead who was the founder of humanistic humanistic paganism.com and one of the things he said is that pagans need to work with um other faiths and interfaith projects on environmentalism and we need to be better about that um i really hoped that the article talked about what he thinks we need to do as far Mm -hmm. as pagans go to be better at that. Maybe it's just being a little bit more out there in the community and talking to other faiths about who we are and what we are and that this is something important to us. Um, But he, John Hillstead, wrote this well statement and you can find it at it's the pagan community statement on the environment and it's really well written you can actually sign it saying that you're a pagan you agree with this statement and that you're going to work towards helping the environment i would hope that everyone listening who does identify as pagan also identifies as being a earth worshiper or earth based Mm -hmm. worship that then it's important to take care of the earth um so i would definitely go and sign the pagan community statement on the environment there's also a facebook page called pagan environment network that would help give you a little bit more information about what's going on kind of legislations that are being passed um and just things that you can do i always say minimize your plastic waste and the best way to do that is look at how much one-time use plastic you really do supply in one day and either minimize or start reusing so that's just a little blurb on that man i know like there's there's a lot of one-time use plastics that i see that i actually uh, i try to use over again um (laughs) being a being a cosplayer i always try to think you know what what's how can i reuse this right so i mean that that's that's one idea you know that that i know some people that i've talked to at different conventions that i've been to they're like yeah this is like all recycled plastic and Mm-hmm. You know, I took a took the packaging like I have this thing. Mm-hmm. I got it in this package and I use this package to make something else. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. No, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, that's that's one idea for for you nerd pagans out there. Yeah. Who, who want to do some good cosplays or even just, even just outfits, just anything, really. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. So we did a thing yesterday. We did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That thing. 
Yeah. So what was that thing? Uh, we actually uh, uh, celebrated Beltane. We had our ritual. So for for our new pagans out there, Beltane is one of the eight neo-pagan Sabbaths. Mm-hmm. Then we'll have a whole education on what the Sabbaths are and who brought those about coming soon. Yeah. We hope. Um, <laughs> and... So Beltane on the Wheel of the Year is the time when the goddess and the god, uh, they do something. What do they do? Um, have sex. Procreate! Yeah, that thing. Yeah! So, um, yeah, when you hear Jonathan Colton sing the 1st of May, <laughs> that also goes for our deities. Yeah. <laughs> so... And, of course, it's a springtime ritual for us in the Valley. It already feels like summer. Mm-hmm. It's hitting hundreds already. Yeah, but it was like 90-something outside when we started. And for our friends on the other side of the equator, it is Samhain. Yes. So, woo, flip of the bird. Or <laughs> flip, of the, flip of the switch. But anyway, another thing about Beltane is it's one of the two times when the fairy realm or the other realms become really close. So, in my mind, we're the farthest away from the underworld, the closest to the fairies. This is when the fairies move to their summer homes and their summer lands. That I didn't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, that is, that's yeah. what Beltane is. That's what Beltane is. That nice. is what Beltane is. So you want to talk about the ritual as much as we can talk about it? Yeah. Um, one, uh, one of the part of the rituals that we did, uh, we actually were creating corn husk uh, dolls yeah. kind of to um, put in, kind of put into it and create an effigy of something that we wanted to release something mm-hmm. we wanted to let go of and then in making these we would put that intention into it and then we threw it in the fire a lot of people are thinking corn dollies isn't that isn't that a fall thing it is it is it can be but um i kind of feel like it it uh, at least at least in my own personal view mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter Right. Magic's magic, and however you want to make it happen, you make it happen. Another thing that I think of and it really helped me after I kind of started settling here was the attitudes of the seasons. You really have to change it when you're in mm-hmm. a desert. A lot of the ways that it's described in the books is that we're supposed to mourn the loss of summer and be sad and lonely in the winter. Well, in the desert, the winter's fucking gorgeous yeah this is when you go out and you do shit and you go adventuring and like the summer here we don't want that to happen we're like begging for monsoon season to hit yeah so, we, we, we hibernate in the summer yeah that's when we close up all the doors and lock our windows this is when the bad air happens and this is when autumn sounds like shit so <laughs> i mean yeah i mean that, that's that's one of the things especially especially here in arizona I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, like, it, and it's kind of eye-opening learning the, the Arizona pagan wheel. Mm-hmm. And the Sonoran wheel? Yeah, the Sonoran as wheel. a lot of our friends call it. Yeah, it's a little, uh, the easiest thing for me was just the attitude. So mm-hmm. having a corn dolly at Beltane for me wasn't like, it wasn't a shocker. Because mm-hmm. this is when we see actually a lot of stuff start dying. Because it's going to start getting too hot for it yeah. to grow. We're going to have a lot more brown. I mean, we have a lot of brown to begin with. Yeah. And um, so having that and then burning it wasn't a, wasn't a flip of the the wheel for yeah. me. Um, do you want to talk about what you wanted to strip away or no? Too personal. Um, yeah, no, I'm 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 comfortable with that. I'm okay. for for the for the listeners, yeah, I'm I'm an open book. Mm-hmm. You know, um and and you know this, you know, better than most people. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll talk about anything all day long. I just love hearing my the sound of my own voice sometimes. Sometimes they're smelly. <laughs> sometimes they're smelly. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh, I honestly say for me, um, something that I, I needed to shed off, something that I needed to to get rid of was situations from my past that I no longer have any control over. Mm-hmm. I, I a lot of the times I feel and this this has been me for a long time. Mm-hmm. I dwell on the past and especially if it's something that I, I feel like I could have done something better, but it's in the past. I can't change it anymore. I can't do anything with it. So I need to focus more on not to worry about that. Right. And be able to move forward with my new intentions, with my new goals, and not let 
the past influence them. Right, right. So for me, it was just a shedding of the past. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I kind of feel like that's something. And e- even in in talking with a few friends, it's an issue that a lot of people have, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they want to move forward and they don't know how. And in talking to them, I just find out that. They want to move forward, but they can't because they're anchored mm-hmm. to the past. Mm-hmm. They're anchored to an old relationship, an old friendship, a job, mm-hmm. something that they that they have no control over anymore, and they still believe that they can that they can influence influence it somehow. Right. And they and I need to realize that I need to cut that chain. Mm-hmm. I need to move forward and create something new. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's kind of at least for me that was a big a big relief. That's what I put in that that little corn husk man, the husky husky man, as we <laughs> as we called it. Uh-huh. And I, I I can I can even feel even just today. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a situation that came up on Facebook that I was a part of a long time ago with a whole lot of different friends. I'm like, nope, doesn't bother you. D- doesn't bother me. Yeah. What helped me with those kind of things was when I got into yoga and meditation and realizing that I was wasting so much thought time, so much energy, so much stress on rethinking these things through and going through them and really learning, you know, me thinking about it right now isn't going to change it. And that includes things in the future and just really letting my mind settle and not rethinking about it because it's not, it's just giving myself more stress and more pain that I don't need. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me was realizing those things. And I really had to work on a meditative practice to get to that point. Yeah. So uh, I'm... What I put in the corn dolly itself was pretty personal, but what I will talk about is that at first when we were planning this ritual and when we were planning what the corn dolls were going to represent, I was thinking about putting abstract things into it, like Mm -hmm. my current job prospects or um, attitudes about certain people or things like that. And during the ritual, I realized it didn't, It really wasn't about that. It was about something that was holding me back in a abstract sense, Mm -hmm. almost in a more overall sense. And I guess I will kind of dive into it. I haven't had an easy life. And I can't say I've had like more struggles than anybody else has. There's people who have it worse. There's people who have it better than me. And there's people who probably have it just as bad. But I always kind of had this sense of one thing after another. I kind of grew up with that attitude. I was told that a lot growing up. There's always one thing after another. You get through one bad thing, something all of a sudden happens mm-hmm. to you. And like people always told me, poor Autumn, you get one thing after another hits you. One thing bad happens after another. And one of these days you'll be out of that rut. And I kind of realized that despite the fact that this has been going on since before I was born, it's been a thing with my family, it's kind of a curse. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a curse that we've put on ourselves or we've allowed be repeated and re-put energy into throughout my my family, throughout my, my life. And like hearing those words is just putting more energy into that kind of curse. And it was kind of the first time that I realized that, yeah, that that's that's a curse and I'm going to remove it. And so I used the corn dolly to remove that curse. That might've been why I was so exhausted. I was so exhausted afterwards, but I was pretty tired before we did it. But yeah, there there was, there was a lot of, and I I could even tell there was a lot of energy that you put in there because before the ritual versus after the ritual, it was literally night and day with you. Yeah, no, I was, I was out. I was done. I was, I've never had to pull over and say you drive yeah ever and we've been friends for like a year and a half that we've been that close in each other's vehicles and no it was pretty it was pretty intense I had a long day yesterday anyway and I did do the grounding and then we did a version of the great right Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about in a second (laughs) but um just doing putting that energy and realizing that throughout the ritual I really came to this conclusion of this is a more what I need to get rid of is a more abstract is a more overall sense it's a feeling that's in my mind and I kind of feel like 
um, even after realizing that and putting that energy in the dolly, like things have happened that you could definitely say, but there's stuff going on in my life that keeps compiling yeah, and releasing that whole one thing after another feeling, that whole repeating curse as I, I feel it was kind of makes me, I, I kept saying, once I remove this, there's going to only be solutions. There's only solutions. There's only the good. It's coming. And a lot of um, what I talked about in the article about 2018 predictions of good future from like every astronomer I read was mm -hmm. predicting everybody's going to have the most best year ever. And it was just like, you know, I'm the only person holding me back. And this is the only thing holding me back from having said, quote unquote, best year ever. Yeah. So anyway, the great, mm -hmm. right. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about that. So uh, that was, that was kind of interesting. So, um, we decided we, st we, we were going to step forward. Our, our uh, coven mm -hmm. wanted to perform the great right. And not I, in the bang chikawawa. Yeah, not, not the bang the more, more the symbolic mm -hmm. with, the, with the chalice and a, a dagger or so small sword or mm -hmm. anything like that. And uh, <laughs> it was my first time doing it. Well, it was my first time doing it that way yeah. as well. And I completely did not know exactly what to say. Well, so... Yeah. Our, I would say high priest, because right mm -hmm. now he's in a very leadership role, um, told us what to say. And I went, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not the one going to say it. And it just went in one year out the other. And then you put the uh, knife in and I was like, I can't say the thing. And, and I'm like, I forgot what to say. I didn't register it what at I, all. Like it did not so, input in my brain. So and, and luckily, uh, luckily he he uh, he was able to. Well, he heard us whispering, he, going, "Oh God, it's panic!" Yeah, panic, and and he he went ahead and said it for us. But yeah, it was kind of funny. It was. But I would like to think that through the great right, we're birthing this podcast. Yeah. And there's a lot less painful stretch marks for me. <laughs> I appreciate this. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's kind of. Uh, uh, <clears throat> kind of, kind of a good thing to to think of it that way as well. well like I, I didn't think about it that way. I did have to work really hard when you put in the sword not to go ah, <laughs> ah, ah how <laughs> like it was that close to just being terrible. We were cracking up the whole oh, entire yeah. ritual. Our coven is not like oh my gosh super serious yeah, about no. things. We we're happy go lucky and life goes on. Yeah, we're we're a hey let's get together and have fun while we do some magic. Yeah, so. not. Hey, let's script it everything out word for word. And if we don't do it verbatim, it's going to be complete chaos. Yeah, totally chaos. Absolutely yeah. horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it no, wasn't. It was no. fun. It is. It was. Yeah. So any last minute notes on Beltane? Anything you want to do next year? Do differently. Um, Learn. I don't know. That, that's, that's one of those things. Like, at least personally... I try not to plan too far in advance. Mm. Um, I'm a very, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, roll with it type of guy. Right. Right. Um, and wherever there's, there's a place to step up. I mean, I'm more than happy to step up and, and give it a shot, mm -hmm. give it a try and learn from it. But I think, I think overall with Beltane, it is, it is uh, technically my one year, uh, my my anniversary. Did I bring you to a Beltane? Yeah, I did. Yeah, the, yeah, my first, uh, my first, uh, I guess, uh, introduction mm -hmm. in, into this group, into this, uh, in, into paganism, witchcraft was a Beltane. Beltane. Okay, so you kind of already knew about the fairies. I don't think you remembered it though, because there were fairies there. Yeah, there there were fairies there. I do remember that. And we had a May king and a May queen because we had a couple renewing their vows. Yeah. And then I remember uh, we didn't have a maypole. We had a maypole the year before. Yeah, we had, so had you a missed the, the maypole that year. It but was ridiculous. Last year, uh, there wasn't a maypole. There was a mayman. <laughs> no, that was the king of the fairies. And he was yes. uh, sky clad. Yes. Except for a uh, see-through loincloth. Um, and the fairies that I mentioned earlier wrapped him around with scars and made mm -hmm. him the... Maple. Yes. No, yeah, that's so it's technically my one year pagan anniversary. That's pa right. Pagan anniversary. Yeah, because that was my first ritual back after I think almost 
I went to the Samhain before that, and then mm. I had the whole entire winter season off and came back for Beltane, and everyone's like, oh my god, Autumn's back! Holy shit! And she brought a guy. <laughs> and, like, so I've been with this group since I first came out to Arizona. They were the second group I uh, went to open ritual with, and they are the reclaiming tradition of Arizona. And they have open Sabbath rituals. And so they were... I found home with them. Mm-hmm. I really did and so they saw me through my breakup of essentially my marriage um two moves um one from one end of the valley to the other end of the valley and then back again and so then I brought you along to ritual and it's I'm I kind of feel the same way it's Mm -hmm. you know they've they've seen me through a lot um I've grown real close friendships with with mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, a lot of the members. Mm-hmm. Um, people who and there's there's even some people who I have encountered before that coming you know just talking to them like, wait a minute, I remember that that was you. I know you, yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting to see the the type of uh, type of family this right, is. Right, right. Is is very fam- familial, yeah. and they they try to be there for you, and yeah. uh, sometimes it's hard for me to ask for help, as you know. And I've gone through, like I said, a lot lately that um, I'm taking the injury that I'm healing from as a sign that I need to ask for help or mm-hmm. I need to say, hey, I can't do this all by myself. And that's why I have family out here that they're not biological, but they're family. Yeah. So... Yeah, but if you guys have any uh, have any questions about that, feel free to hit us up on our Facebook page, and we'll uh, direct you guys in the right uh, the right way. If you guys want to come out and even you know c- come to one of the rituals and even meet us. Oh goodness! I know, right? And people who are much more knowledgeable than either of us. Yes. Yep. Yes. So I guess that means that we're gonna wrap up our major discussion. So yeah. do you, do you know what's going on right now? Um, like tonight, like right now, like oh, not for our listeners yeah. yesterday for our listeners yeah, so, who are listening so, on time. So, uh, as far as I know, there's yeah. a full moon tonight. Are you going to do anything? Um, I kind of, I, I, I'm thinking about it. Oh, I'm thinking I might actually jump in the pool for a little bit and, uh, Ooh. maybe just bask in the moonlight. Oh, naked. Night. Oh, <laughs> Oh. Kind of take a little bit of the Beltane energy with me, too. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm going to go home and try and recover from this allergy yeah. mayhem <laughs> and whatnot. So, um, yep, it's the May full moon. Um, uh, or April, I should say. It's April's April. full moon. It's yeah. not May yet. But on May 1st, as we just talked about, will be mm-hmm. Beltane. Also, if you are in the Phoenix Valley area and you're interested in coming out to Book Talk, uh, Pagan Book Talk Phoenix Valley is a book club like no other. We do not assign books. Bring whatever book that you want or that is important to your pagan practice mm-hmm. and talk about it. Talk with us. Be open to discussion and hanging out. Uh, that will be at Changing Hands in Tempe by the Trader Joe's. You can find it at Meetup on the Pagan and Witches Meetup of Phoenix page, or you can email me at autumn.ironwolf at gmail, and I can send you information about that. I'd be Pagan Book Talk Phoenix Valley. I'll be on May 1st. May 5th, again, if you're in the Phoenix area, Phoenix Pagan Pride Day is having a volunteers meeting, and you can find that at Phoenix Pagan Pride's Facebook page as well. That's May 5th, and they're a volunteer meeting, and of course, we can always use some volunteers. If you haven't heard, we've also already got Steel Indian School Park. Yes. So it's a great, great park, great location. It is. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you got to go last year, no? I I didn't, no. but I've been I've been to a lot of different events at Steel uh, Steel mm-hmm. Indian School Park, and uh, it's it's a great area, great facility to right. just be able to. Gather. So this will be your first Pagan Pride. Yeah. And we're planning on recording there. Speaking of which, if we are going to record there, and that will be in November, we're going to need some stuff. So if you can, because this podcast is fully Patreon-supported, head on over to our Patreon page. And we want to give a huge thank you once again to April. Yes, April. Thank you. Uh, thank you for donating and helping out. 
the way that you have. Uh, it really means a lot to us. It means so much. Yes. We are just flabbergasted and amazed <laughs> and appreciative. And, and, and of course, it, it means a lot, not just to us, but also to the community who listens. Yes. I hope all you listeners really do like the new sound quality. If you want to help us out on Patreon, you're not getting it just for free. As you've heard from the first episode in this episode, we do thank you. Yeah. And we're actually going to start a brand new thing. We're going to have one monthly mini-sode. Yeah, that will be exclusive to Patreon. So if you want to support us even a dollar a month, that gets you a whole mini-sode just for you to listen to. And if you want to suggest things for that mini-sode, please feel free to message us through Patreon and give us some suggestions. Yes. So that's pretty big we're gonna be doing the next minisode actually on may 6th so if you want to hear the very first minisode head on over there as soon as possible yeah we'd really appreciate it anyway to find millennial pagan podcast you can hit up patreon facebook at millennial pagan podcast twitter at millennial pagan podcast or at millennial pagan and you can email us at millennialpeganpod at gmail.com. Eventually, we will have our website up and going. Yeah. If you've already seen millennialpegan.life, that is going to be our website. It is very rough drafty. I have to sit down with our IT guy, a.k.a. my roommate, <laughs> and actually get it going when I'm not completely doped up on allergy meds. Yes. And so where can they find you? Uh, of course, you guys can find me. Uh, I got, uh, as you guys know, my cosplay, uh, Haggard Haggard. Uh, feel free to find me there on Twitter uh, at uh, Haggard underscore Haggard. On Facebook, Haggard Haggard Cosplay. Um, I pretty much communicate with people through there all the time. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, you can find me, Autumn Wolf, at Autumn Wolf at Twitter. Facebook now, Autumn Wolf. Mm-hmm. My blog is on Iron Wolf Circle. And the most recent blog that I just posted was about soft and hard polytheism. Found mm-hmm. you wow. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to learn a little bit about soft and hard polytheism, the differences, please head over there and many, many other articles that I've probably already blasted you with (laughs) and you can also email me at autumn.ironwolf at gmail.com and again as i talked about earlier the bracelet was for ocean it's a 20 dollar donation for one pound of garbage off of our beaches at forocean.com that's pretty cool yep so thank you and we we really haven't uh, thought up uh, an ending for these well marry me marry part and Mary, Mary meet, meet again. again.